0: Welcome to Stokes County Boys, a podcast in which two friends discuss a place and things that made them who they are and who they are not. As always, you're joined by me, Philip, and my good friend, Patrick. Patrick, what's happening?
1: How's it going, Philip?
0: (laughs) All right. We're, uh, we're almost there. We're, we were going to do three episodes, and then I decided to d- stick one in the middle here. We're going to talk about the animated series Clone Wars. Now, we're not going to cover the whole thing because it's, what, seven seasons? Is that right? Yep. So it's like a movie in seven seasons, but we're condensing it today. Patrick gave me basically uh, two story arcs that f- finish two seasons. Can you tell everybody what those are?
1: Oh yeah. So it was, the first one was the original series finale at the end of season five, where Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. And, you know, you see the effect that it has on Anakin. Um, that's about the time that Disney bought out, um, you know, all the Star Wars stuff. And mm-hmm. um, they basically canceled the series because it was starting to get too dark. Um Mm, I have my own really? thoughts. I have my own thoughts on that in a minute. But yeah. um the, the episodes that the crew had already either finished or, you know, kind of the lost episodes or whatever, um, threw those together to make what they called season six. Um, which, you know, it was it was fine, it was good, but like, you know, it was clear that they just kinda put it together, you know, based okay. on what they already had. Yeah. Um, but then they came back for one final season with Disney Plus to Uh, Coincide with um, ultimately the events of Revenge of the Sith. And so that was the second arc I wanted you to watch, was the last four, you know, of season seven, which again has taken place at the same time as episode three. Um, You know, a little little bit before, but basically it's it's during the same time. Yeah.
0: Like the way, I guess I was misinterpreting it because I was thinking, oh, it was all before and it leads up to it. But it's interesting that it starts before episode three and the final scene is actually. Right. After the, the Revenge of the Sith, which is which is pretty cool. So chronologically, releasing these episodes, we can't quite do it in chronological order. So I decided to just, we'll put this Clone Wars, since it starts beforehand, we'll put it here, and then next week we'll discuss episode three. If we're, if we're talking in like a, a musical sense, that season six was kind of like B-sides and rarities, whereas um, that seventh season is a, an actual album, right?
1: Absolutely, uh, but I, I do think the sixth season is important. You can't really watch the entire series um, without having it. I mean, uh, okay. the okay. finale the finale of season six deals with Yoda and and you know dealing with him learning um, about basically it's a precursor to becoming a Force Ghost, and so he's uh, he's okay. learning more about you know all of that stuff, and it also shows you know he actually. You know, almost discovers the identity of Palpatine throughout Mm -hmm. the series. You know, it's really it's worth it. As I mean, it's good writing. It's good episodes, at least you know, across the board. So uh, awesome,
0: yeah, yeah. So like, honestly, part of this, the reason we're choosing these particular episodes, was due to the fact that like, I haven't really seen any of this this series. Patrick's more well versed in it, as usual with this podcast, I'm making him watch something that he hasn't seen before or listen to something he hadn't seen before. So finally, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in that, that seat that I, uh, that uncomfortable, um, position that I put you in. So we'll get to what I saw, my reactions to it. I have some questions for you, Patrick, since you know, the series a lot better than I do. But before we do that, there's one thing I want to mention. We got a message from longtime listener, Jason, who's also, you know, supports us directly. Anchor.fm slash scboy slash support. If you're interested, if you have the the means and the desire, as I like to say, but Jason wrote to us and Patrick, this deals with our show on domestic travel. We're talking about cities and going to that. He actually, you know, and, and I think I mentioned at some point that I like those kind of mid-sized U.S. cities, 100,000, 200,000 people around the country. You can kind of go to and, and, you know, there's some cool stuff there, but it's not overwhelming. Like if you plop yourself in the middle of, uh you know, Manhattan or something, which I'm fine with too. But, you know, sometimes you just want a little bit more chill vibe. Right, PJ? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So he gave us another one. And I don't know if you've been here. I have not. And I've, I've kind of put it on my list, but he mentioned Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ever been to Pittsburgh?
1: I've not. I've been to Philadelphia, but not Pittsburgh.
0: Right. Same here. Uh, he says, easy city to get around, it's lots of places to eat, plenty of culture. There's Andy Warhol Museum, which I'd be interested in checking out. Is that a mattress factory? Now, I'm curious about that. Well, I'm curious too.
1: Is this like a a, a homage to mattresses? Is this like a, a museum <laughs> of mattresses? Or is this like a just a really big superstore? I don't know. I, I probably should about have that. looked
0: this up before I read, <laughs> read the email on, on the show, but you know, uh, let us know. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get a follow-up from Jason, <laughs> but um, he also said, you know, there's some other stuff like um, museums, science center. Um, obviously there's a couple, you, um, there's a couple universities there, Carnegie Mellon and Pittsburgh. And then, you know, you got sports too. You got penguins, Steelers, pirates. And also like that park is really awesome. The, the pirates, Pittsburgh pirates park. It's one of those newer ones that, wasn't just like the concrete jungles that they built in like the 70s but it you know it integrates it's nice the city it's near the water and things like that and i
1: thought three river stadium was the coolest place like those old ballparks like if they keep them up i really really like those but you know then again some of these newer parks like you said are just outrageous and i mean that in the best possible way
0: Mm mm-hmm And then we can't forget, Dark Knight Rises. It was Gotham City there. I mentioned when I went to Chicago, I was checking out the stuff from Dark Knight. Well, Dark Knight Rises, Gotham is Pittsburgh.
1: Well, it's one of the coolest scenes is they have some actual Steelers players. Of course, it doesn't say Steelers, but I I love that scene with with Heinz Ward. With Heinz Ward running the ball back for the touchdown. He turns around and the field's like underground. I don't know how to describe it any other way, but like... The ground is underground from yeah. the, like,
0: the destruction. Yes, they blew up the field. He also mentions that Monroeville is not far away, and it's a small town, but it's important. Cinematic importance. Uh, Romero, George Romero filmed Night of the Living Dead in, what, in the house there, and also Dawn of the Dead. So that's the one in the shopping mall. So I know, I know you don't like horror movies that much, but I'd check that out. that's all you buddy (laughs) all right all right Patrick on the other end of this break gonna get into these Clone Wars finale episodes (laughs) and we're back Patrick fantastic all right so let's get into it as I said before I'm kind of new to this series so I've really watched the eight episodes you asked me to watch so it's like the final four of season 5 and the final four of the final season which is on Disney plus I think only on Disney plus so the this first one we'll, we'll kind of touch upon this first one and then and then get into the rest of them but the, both of these felt uh, pretty uh, centered on the character ahsoka tano which is really only in this series and not well not now now there's she appears in like the mandalorian there's going to be a series about her but as far as the movies go she's not in the movies well i guess her voice is in the final one is that correct
1: yes but this
0: came first so yeah
1: yeah um uh, philip i i've mentioned several times and you've known me you know i like to draw and paint like i love art and just you know, being an almost forty year old that loves cartoons it should be weird, but like for me, it's about this art. I love the yeah, visuals yeah, yeah. Of, of these things, and when I first heard about the Clone Wars uh, cartoon series, I was just drawn to the imagery that I saw originally. And you know, they they did a a movie, a feature length film that was going to lead into the series and i went with aj our friend aj went with him to watch it we didn't realize it was a kid's movie it was designed to be like a kid's movie so the two of us are sitting back you know we'd had a few brews beforehand and we're just chilling and all of a sudden we're seeing all these like just little kids being brought in with their parents and, you know, and then there's the two of us like you know <laughs> really felt uncomfortable but when the the scroll came up and we start watching you know I'm I'm in absolute love with the visuals of the series um they introduced in that movie you know Anakin's Padawan Ahsoka and you know she was probably like 14-ish you know just like a, a tween I mean and clearly she was aimed at a certain demographic but as the series progressed, you see them... And again, we talked about this when we were dealing with the movies. You see character progression of all the main characters. But you really get to see Ahsoka being this fresh... Uh, with no baggage in terms of you know other movies. They had a fresh character that they could expand on. And it really, as much as she expanded as a character, it also, in turn influenced Anakin as her master, as, you know, the Padawan master relationship. And so, you know, you seeing what we've seen in episode three, episode two, and episode one with the character of Anakin, I thought this series did, and again, it's no fault of George Lucas, it's just this series had more time to show Anakin uh, as, as who he is. And I, I thought that, like, it was absolutely great that they did it through cartoon form, because I'm getting the best of both worlds. I get Star Wars and this cool art and animation.
0: Yeah, and I think it looks really good. Like the one thing I notice is like the that season 5 arc. And I think really the way I I think it was good that you suggested doing that one on top of before just seeing the final four episodes of the whole series. Basically the end of of that uh, that four episode run of that season 5 is showing how she is like framed for a terrorist attack a murder of this guy and then she's kind of on the run she's also trying to solve like what's going on but at the same time like the jedi order it's just one of those things i mean we've been harping on it during this whole prequels thing about kind of the fallacy and the the arrogance and the the um out of you know the jedi order being out of touch with everything and and this is another example of that to where they have this this great student this wonderful jedi and they end up pushing her away through, uh, one, not listening to her, two, thinking they know everything, three, just sticking to process and stick into the way things are supposed to be done, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it, they, they let it become political, which was the whole point that the Senate was trying to do. It's a power struggle between the Jedi and the Senate. Who's actually in charge? You know, this happened oh, right. at the Jedi Temple, but, you know, there were, as they mentioned, uh, when— um, you know, Anakin and Ahsoka start their investigation into this terrorist attack. You know, they're going to interview somebody whose husband was involved, and you know, they're in kind of a shady part of town, and it it really shows the discrepancy. Even with Ahsoka on the run, as the series uh, or as the arc progressed, you see that. I mean, Coruscant is. We've only seen the the rich. We've only right. seen the surface dwellers, you know, and you realize that, like, it's so much deeper than that Um across the board. It really shows the inequalities through the society there. And I think it really mirrors uh, a lot more than um, a simple kids cartoon series would necessarily be trying to do on the surface. I mean, you you really see, wow, this is a lot deeper. And getting back to your, your Jedi statement there, I mean, philosophically, too, they're playing they're playing into the hands of the system because they don't like that they have to turn the investigation or the the trial over to the senate but they do and the only way they can do it is by expelling somebody that they did not all agree was necessarily in the wrong
0: yeah and it's funny too there's like you know i didn't know this is like you know he wasn't grand moff at the time but tarkin was who is he what's his title at this point Uh, I'm
1: not even sure what the official title is But we see him in other episodes (laughs) And he's the the one that
0: tells them Yeah, and he's the one that tells the Jedi's He's like, kick her out of the Jedi temple Then we can try her And and do it right You know, this is more than just like a Jedi matter And part of that problem Is they've been so entangled In the War of the Republic And the Clone Wars and all this stuff That um, they kind of have their hands Tied or twisted behind their back Because of this
1: we know even because we know what ends up happening, and and, and you know we know yeah. where this fits. We know that it, like at the end of the this arc, when Baris Afi, who's the real mastermind behind everything, she's absolutely right. The Jedi are fighting for the dark side; they're fighting for the wrong side.
0: Yeah, and and you see it in the um, in the buildings. Like they show these establishing shots of these uh, Republic. And they have that that symbol, that kind of look star symbol. It's a circle with a little star that, you know, what all the, in the in the early Star Wars films, like the the Death Star guys that are pushing the buttons to man, shoot the laser out of the Death Star, that little, that emblem, it's big on there and it's already looking like this big, scary, fascist building already. And it, it's pretty interesting how they, they're already, you see that transition more, than when you're if you just watch like episode two to three
1: I think there's probably better storylines than this arc but I think the ending of this was crucial to set up the com- the actual series finale in season seven that you know we wanted to discuss today uh, I, you know seeing Ahsoka walking away from the Jedi Order and, and Mace Windu's just like a total jerk I cannot stand him and again that's good writing Good writing. So, you know, but I cannot stand him. You know, like when he's at the very end, Ahsoka, we now see that this was your test. The force works in mysterious. Just shut up, man. Shut up.
0: Well, and she herself is just like, nah, it's too late. I see what's going on here and I don't like it. I'm out. Some
1: words, when spoken, can't be taken back.
0: There you go. And the other thing that's important too is not just like the story arc of Ahsoka Tano, which is kind of contained within this animated series, but it also shows kind of the ways another brick in the wall of turning, um, Anakin Skywalker to the dark side. Cause he's, he's disillusioned as well at the end of this thing, at the end of this trial. And then it leads into this final four, uh, uh, Episodes of the of the series itself, which even kind of just you know add on to it, and then go, even go into his full turn, you know. So let's get into that part because that that I actually found it was good to have that context that end of season five. This end of season seven, I thought these four episodes were were even better. They were great, and so let's let's hop into this.
1: Philip, I think with you know Dave Filoni with the the amazing writers of this series. Going into the end of season seven, when they knew that this was going to be the end, I think that they they were able to really put you know everything they had into it, and I think it really showed. Uh, not just again in the storytelling, which was top notch, but it showed in the visuals. The use of Darth Maul. Darth Maul was brought back into the Star Wars universe because in the movies you just see him cut in half, but you know they have a a, a series of like or I, I believe it's episode four. Or, excuse me. Season 4 of the Clone Wars is they're bringing this dude back and they show how he survived they okay. show his rage and hatred that show his home planet like right. they they really dive into it a lot more
0: cuz I might have to watch that cuz I was just like wait what is he doing here cuz I saw it at the end of like Solo and I'm like how is he still alive so I may have to go back and watch that cuz you just kind of accept it that he's been found and and that's what happens in this episode like that first episode she's She's looking for Darth Maul and kind of trying to take him out. And so it also explains why she's away from what we're seeing in Revenge of the Sith as well, because she's busy doing this mission, whereas all the other um, Jedi are scattered elsewhere. You might have to remind me of this. How does she get involved with this in the first place? Because she's not even in the order. She gets roped in somehow.
1: How is well, that again? She's She's still fighting for the right side just not necessarily for the Jedi, you know, like it's, she's still out for justice and she's still involved. Uh, she gets pulled into the, to the events that are taking place on Mandalore.
0: Yeah. And with she's working with, um, what's her name? Bo-Katan. Yeah. Bo-Katan who you'll see in the second season of Mandalorian with Sasha Banks, who gives a tornado DDT to, uh, Boba Fett, which is (laughs)
1: really cool. It It was great. Oh my God. It was great. um, yeah, but you know, Philip Death Watch is a, a terrorist group on Mandalore, okay. and they they basically try to usurp power, and they use the help of Darth Maul and Darth Maul's brother to do so. And then Darth Maul basically is like, "No, nah, I'm not giving up power." And so, you know, that's how Ahsoka got kind of brought into all this stuff was the events on Mandalore, um, and you know. Y- We didn't even mention, we're not going to talk about it today, but, you know, there's another series that Filoni was at the helm, Star Wars Rebels, that fast forward after, you know, all these events and Ahsoka actually shows up in that and is a main character, you know, in that series later on. But you you see Rex, you see these clones and, you know, Philip, I thought that it was so... Heartwarming to see that the clones still treated Ahsoka with such a reverence. You know, they painted their their armor in honor of her. And we don't you know, even in the when you look at clone troopers and even when you look at like the Empire in in the original trilogy, you know, they're not they're humans but they're they don't have humanity. They you know you don't feel bad when they're just getting slaughtered or die or whatever cuz you're not connected. This series really turned the clones into people and and they were able to dive into that, which I think made it more heartbreaking when you see order 66 go through and and you realize that I mean these are these are not just mindless clones, these are actual individuals that are having you know, they had this chip that's making them do something.
0: Okay. I, I had a question about that. So when they do order 66, that was a question I had, were they just following orders? Or was there like something in their genetic disposition that had them just without question, just Both. go after. Okay. Both. And okay. and
1: again, they actually do another arc in this <laughs> series with one of the, uh, well, it's, Pops up a couple of times because the chip malfunctions in a couple of the clones. And so, you know, there's a there's a couple of there's one very dark scene where Palpatine takes care of business in a medical bay, you know, cause his secret's about to get out. Oh, <laughs> and so he, he does really? what needs to be done. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So again, like that that's why I love this series so much, cause they were able to expand on so much of that stuff.
0: I like that and it's almost like those books whereas before you yeah, had the expanded universe you see it in the books but they're kind of taking care of this
1: And so they they open this series uh arc with anakin in his arrogant glory and i say that yeah, with yeah. like all the love and affection because like <laughs> it, it shows like this is a badass jedi he's like uh, yeah, you know we got done with what we were doing thought we'd come help you guys out and then like he's he just he's so arrogant but he, he's there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, and the fact that like he's so arrogant about it, but he he backs it up, and and it's awesome like with what he's doing, and but jumping right into the action is always always great, and I, I thought that this was a very solid uh, intro into this final, let's say the 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 final life of Anakin Skywalker before he becomes Darth Vader.
0: The the interesting thing too about this is it really focuses on Ahsoka. You know, you don't see a lot of Anakin in this four-episode arc. He kind of pops in here and there, but you don't see a lot of him. And I guess because it's like you see the rest of it in Revenge of the Sith, right? Exactly. And exactly. so it's really cool how they do that, but then you, you see little touches on it. You see certain scenes and you're like, oh, kind of between scenes of Revenge of the Sith, he was meeting up with Ahsoka or, or doing this thing or having to deal with like Maul coming back or them capturing him or whatever. And so it's kind of cool, but we said it before it, it was either in the Phantom Menace or attack of the clones, those episodes where um, we're talking about the kind of um, loose rule of two because <laughs> you have Maul here. And I guess he's not a Sith at this point because Dooku's around about well, he, to be he's killed. A dark force and, user. Yeah. But he's okay. not,
1: he's no longer Sidious's apprentice.
0: Right. Cause he's, presumed dead i suppose no or not <laughs> no he's, i he, guess sidious he, he's, knows he's around
1: well sidious came back uh, savage oppressed uh was his brother and i say was because sidious took care of him in uh, in a previous uh episode but like yeah sidious basically tells maul like you stay here little little buddy you stay here because <sighs> right. you, mess you, you up. messed up
0: yeah you got chopped in half by uh, Padawan Obi Wan Kenobi who can't handle Count old Count Dooku. <laughs> the thing I like too is like as soon as like Ahsoka encounters finds Maul and all this stuff, as always, and I always love these conversations they have. The Sith, the first thing they do before they fight is they try to turn the person that's about to fight them, <laughs> and I love it every time. They're like, "Well, I'm going to kill this other guy, and me and you can do it together."
1: Well, he was he was right though.
0: You know, he's he like late.
1: Anakin is being groomed by Darth City. Sid- he he yeah, just that's right. flat that's out right. laid out to Ahsoka <laughs> what's happening, and he was right.
0: Well, it's just like at the end of Episode Two, um, Count Dooku is telling Obi Wan Kenobi exactly what the deal is, and everything he's saying is correct. And they're just like, "Shut up!" And they want to fight.
1: Well, that's the thing. So they're they they're like, "Shut up!" Whatever, because they're they're so hell bent on keeping the Jedi Code, and and they're. Narrow minded view, if I may borrow from Palpatine. Like, there, if you really listen, again, I, I don't want to root for the bad guys, but like, they're not wrong in what they're assessing with the Jedi. They're just not. And they're, you know, of course, the violence and the killing and the oppression, you know, is, is not good. But at the same time, is it any worse than the. <laughs> what the jedi are doing i mean is is it any worse than being peacekeepers that are leading you know they're generals the peacekeepers are generals is that any morally better i mean it's just the other extreme and it's you know the real the real good i don't even want to say jedi like the real good force wielders are the ones like ahsoka that go down they they end up breaking from an order or a label and just following the path of righteousness as defined by themselves or what's actually righteous, not just like mantras and codes.
0: Yeah. One thing, one thing this plays into like the clone wars and especially like see it also with um, revenge of the Sith is this concept of like perpetual war for perpetual peace. I read this book in college. (laughs) Of course, there's a book you read in college by like Gore Vidal and that's what it's called. Perpetual war for perpetual peace. And, And I think it's based off another philosopher's like, writings but Gore Vidal like expands on it. But that's the idea that's like it's almost like that George Orwellian doublespeak of like, we need to keep the peace and how do we do it? We're the peacekeepers. We have a battalion of clone troopers that are blasting this separatist army. That's how we keep the peace. So it's really funny, like like you're saying, it's usually usually when you talk about this, it's like these empires, these imperialistic, um, not just in Star Wars, but in real life, imperialistic entities like the U.S. or in other times, Britain or Spain that are using these armies to civilize and keep the peace, like even ancient Rome, right? So it's really funny that like, and you think of this as kind of like an evil thing, which you hear in a, a Revenge of the Sith, like Sidious, like barking the same stuff. I love democracy. I want to keep the peace. You know, he tells Anakin that. He's like, once we take care of things and you and I are leading everything, there will be peace. And and but it's like to a smaller extent and not as quite as dark. It's almost like they kind of trip over themselves into this. The Jedi are doing the exact same thing. And that's kind of the genius of these prequels. And it's something that I think when people malign them that they overlook, it's like the Jedi are not, they're not Superman. They're getting their hands dirty or whether they realize it or not.
1: Well, that's the thing. I think they do realize it. Yeah. But, yeah. but what's the alternative, but you war for peace. I mean, they're doing what has to be done because they were manipulated into it, but there was no other way. I mean, otherwise Dooku and, and the events of, uh, attack of the clones before Yoda showed up with the battalion, Like, Dooku and the Separatists would have taken over. Like, they would have taken over. They would have won right then and there. Uh, You know, something, Philip that Maul said when he was talking to Ahsoka. Um, Actually, a couple of things. But, you know, when he's talking to Ahsoka and telling her, you know, Anakin's been groomed to be the new apprentice to Sidious. Like, you know, she's very defensive because she and Anakin are still connected. Yeah, even though Maul was right, you know, she's very defensive. And, and you know how people get when they're defensive. They're not going to listen to reason. You know, they're not going to listen to truth even sometimes. But, you know, with with this whole scene, and, he, you know, we can defeat Sidious together, blah, 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 he said something that I thought was really kind of poetic. And this whole scene, and actually every time you hear Maul speak in this arc, it's very Shakespearean, it's very Orwellian, but it's very well-spoken. And Maul, like, he says, and I'm quoting, every choice you have made has led you to this. He's talking about, you know, this moment, you're you're right here. I wanted Anakin so I could end the Sith, I could end Sidious and all this. I wanted Obi-Wan because I still want revenge, all that. But, like, he's like, you are here in front of me because the Force willed it. And so you know, I, I'm sure we could go off. I'm sure many people have gone off on like you know religious context and all that stuff. But like you know, the the will of the force. I mean, the force is a religion. I believe it was, uh, um, uh, episode four. You know, Star Wars, the original, when they're even talking about like you know that old religion when they're kind of teasing Vader <laughs> for for being like. Which I don't know why you would do
0: that, but you know. Yeah, they kind of make fun of him for being um. Yeah, the people in the in the room, the other, like, generals or, or officers in the room make fun of him for uh, for be- still believing in that mess.
1: And he force chokes one. It's like, why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. Like, why?
0: <laughs> I guess they didn't believe. One thing I want to note, outside of, like, the story and everything, the score by Kevin Kiner, I really like it because it not only had, you know, kind of evoked the John Williams, you know, the filmic Star Wars stuff, but it also had, like, this it reminded me of um, Blade Runner's uh, score by Vangelis. I don't know, but it, it was kind of like Blade Runner-esque, but also had that kind of, uh, it would run through that that kind of neo-romantic uh, classical themes that John Williams used in the original score. So it, it was really good. And you, you think for like a, a TV series, an animated TV series, sometimes there's always those shortcuts and like animation sometimes, but even you just see the, the quality throughout even in the score it's really good
1: well it's very cinematic even though it's a, a cartoon but then again you when you view this force four episode arc it, it's very it was designed to be like a, a movie type you know right arc. I yeah, mean, yeah of yeah. course but while it's cinematic it's still also very ominous and and it's playing into all that's going on in the universe at the time too you know at which so let's talk about harry potter for a minute the the main theme to Harry Potter, you know, it's always dark and dark and dark until you get to the very end of the very last movie, and then they fix it to make it this like triumphant thing. Like I've always loved that about John Williams, and some people, you know, love or hate him. Regardless, there's not a lot of in between. It seems, but you know, he 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 does seem to follow a formula, but. At the same time, it's a good formula. You know, I, I like my barbecue recipe. I'm going to tweak it here or there, but I'm still going to basically do my same barbecue every time I'm, you know I and mean?
0: You know what? He's also doing what those filmmakers hire him to do. You know, he's also serving the vision of the director. So it's not like these movies follow a formula. He's working within that, that formula.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a job. It's, it's, he's he's doing his job and he does a good job. I, I can't help but but look, back in admiration for not just this series, but just how how many people it takes to put this whole thing together. Whether it's the the person bringing the director coffee through the person that's having to draw the same picture or computer animate these days the same character over and over. Like, like there's so many people putting so much work into this. It's just, I, I love it. I think it's so awesome that they're doing what they love but they also have to it you see the product from so much love in their craft
0: yeah i'm always amazed by like animation i recently read it's i I read it to my son but it's called it's um it's this like memoir by bill pete do you know him yeah so if you don't know bill pete did he worked for disney in like the early days he was kind of the head guy for like sword in the stone 101 Dalmatians, but he, he worked on all those other, like he worked on a lot of the shorts he worked on, but he started as an in-betweener and the in-betweeners were, uh, they would have, you know, for any cartoon they were doing, Disney cartoon, say for once he was working on like a Donald Duck one, the head guys would do like the, the big drawings and the in-betweeners, which were earlier in their progression or their careers would have to get from that big drawing to the next big drawing. And they would do all the ones in between. And he would write about how he about go nuts having to draw these like eight hours a day, every day, maybe eight to 10 hours a day. He's drawing a million in-between shots of Donald Duck moving around. He's about to go insane. But he finally, you know, he breaks through and he's finally doing his own things. But it always amazes me. And you always have this respect for the animation process. So even, even now they do on computers, but there's certain things that are easier, but there's other things that are make it more difficult and you're able to do more with it. So then you end up spending about the same amount of time because you can do more with it. You know, one thing I wanted to note that I really liked is when Ahsoka like arrests Darth Maul or whatever, and they're carrying him. He's like in this, um, almost like a pre-carbonite holding cell it's got like the little he's not frozen but it's a very similar uh shape and it's got like a little eye hole little face hole thing it's got bars around it it's kind of like a mix between um the carbonite and like Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs it it, it was awesome
1: I can't remember the exact uh conversation with Bo-Katan and her but like those were outlawed basically but they Mm, kept one okay but that's from Mandalore and and you Boba Fett
0: okay like, that's yeah. what that all right i get you I but see you. that's just that's just it philip
1: it's like these details once you realize like how well crafted into the world of star wars they are it just man it makes you grin from ear to ear like that's that's awesome and it's not coincidence it's purely well thought out genius and Phillip, let's talk about that actual fight with maul and ahsoka
0: yeah go for it
1: i think that's my favorite <laughs> fight in all really? of Star Wars anything. I think that like they let them go and the fact uh-huh. that you had the double bladed lightsaber plus mm. Ahsoka's two lightsabers, which yeah. you know, Anakin, whenever he would go off with his two with two lightsabers, whether it's when Obi Wan, you know, passes out at the side of Dooku and he borrows his or or with you know when he gets really angry, like when uh, in the previous arc that we talked about where he's battling Barris and he's got the two he's on the you know, Ahsoka She's awesome in this, and like they're throwing down hard. I loved it. It was offense meets offense, high-scoring game. (laughs) Right? Nobody wants those 42 to 30 games. You want to see like 99 to 96. That's what we got here.
0: I won't say this is my favorite. It was very good. I will agree with you. It was very good. I don't think this is my favorite. I think my favorite is still uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like that was a great battle, and I think I still have a preference for the live-action movies. But I'm not going to take away from this. And if you say that's your favorite, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you about that. Let me
1: pause you for a second. Do you feel more connected with Obi Wan and Anakin than you do Maul and Ahsoka? The characters. Yeah, but I
0: haven't seen. Yeah, I would say so because, like I said, I've seen eight episodes of the show, which probably totals to what, maybe three hours of actual content with Ahsoka Tano plus that episode of The Mandalorian. See, I think versus, that might be the difference because I yeah, feel so yeah.
1: connected with these two characters because, you know, Darth Maul visually in in Phantom Menace, like, oh my God, like, who is this? This is amazing. That second lightsaber com- or blade comes out. We've talked about it, but, but they develop the character a lot more through the series. And so I think that might be it is that I've seen right. this series well, and
0: that's a mark so of a many good times. that's a mark of a good series or show or movie is that that final battle or whatever that final struggle like means more because of the the character development whereas you're not <laughs> Donald Trump making his kids uh fast forward through the non-fight scenes of Bloodsport <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know about that? <laughs> oh god no I don't.
0: So he his favorite movie of all time is Bloodsport which is a good movie I like it but He's such a just, like, weirdo sociopath. He can't sit through the talking scenes. So when he would watch it on, like, VHS, I guess, back in the day, he would have, like, one of his sons, like Don Jr. or Eric, fast-forward through the talking stuff so he could just watch the fight scenes. So his favorite movie is not really Bloodsport. It's about the 40 minutes of fight scenes in Bloodsport. (laughs) (laughs) So that shows you kind of the person he is, but sorry to bring that up. But it (laughs) is. I kind of just train wreck the whole conversation we we're having.
1: You know, we've mentioned already about them intertwining the events that are taking place in episode three with the events that are happening on you know Mandalore and the Siege of Mandalore here, Phil, I couple of things I wanted to point out: the way that they use that kind of holographic meeting table in in not just in this Clone Wars episode, but but the entire. Star Wars, you know, like the way they use these holograms to be able to actually communicate. I thought it was really, really well done that they had the exact scene, save a a couple of tweaks of a line here or there, but they had the exact scene from Episode 3 in this uh, episode with Ahsoka coming in just when she just missed Anakin. And I can't help but wonder what if, because you know they're still connected. What if she would have been able to say, "Hey, listen, man, Darth Maul said some shit about you," and uh, I, yeah. just a heads yeah. up. I wonder if that would have played into things and and changed a little bit more of Anakin's mindset going into uh, his discussion with Palpatine or his his you know um, his his role in Episode Three before Order sixty six takes place when yoda asks her after he's like hey do you have more to say and she's like no oh Ah ahsoka and yoda were always close enough you know so like i really don't think yoda voted against her (laughs) in the trial you know i i think that he was having to play politics but when ahsoka is talking about you know I want I, I I wanna help, I wanna say something, but I can't yet. I'm gonna wait for Anakin. You know, Yoda even asks her, you know, are you are you helping us? You know, you're not helping us as a Jedi? And she's like, you know, not yet. Like you see that she's she's contemplating, not necessarily rejoining the order, but she is contemplating her her role in everything. And I mean clearly she's doing Jedi work, but It's, you know, again, it gets the semantics a little too. But, you know, I feel I I give Yoda the benefit of a doubt in a lot of cases. Here, Mace Windu, Philip, Ahsoka is doing their dirty work on Mandalore. And you can say, oh, but the Jedi are peacekeepers, but no, no, they're generals. This is their role in the war. Ahsoka is doing their job with their troopers. Ahsoka, for all intents and purposes, is a Jedi in this case. Mace Windu is, you know, he, he's just so dismissive of her too. When he's like, you know, I'm sorry, citizen. These are matters for the council to discuss. Like, she wants to, to help. She wants to talk to Yoda. She does not trust Mace Windu or any of them. This is Mace's fault. And, like, if he's not a jerk, if he's not a jerk to this Jedi-slash-force-wielding, genuinely good person that's trying to help, if he's not opening up and and nice to her here, then, like, what's the point of her doing their work? He may have, like, signed his own death certificate
0: right then just by being him. Yeah, and he, he proves it time and time again. He's just like... I'm sweating now up his own ass so much I, that he can't <laughs> he can't see the forest for the trees, Jeez. which which is kind of surprising as like, you know, because you think of the Jedi? You think of more along the lines of like Obi-Wan or like Yoda as kind of like exemplars of of jedi dumb or <laughs> Jedi-ness or whatever it is. And he, he he's just like on the other side of that.
1: Well, Philip, but, I want to uh, I want to compliment he, the writing. The,
0: he is the ivory tower like he is the like. You know, that kind of um, that politician that doesn't understand when you turn off the power (laughs) during an ice storm, it might kill a few people. Or you don't understand like the academic that's like so into their own like hyper specific research that they don't understand how actual people live day to day. You know, he's he's that 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 figure you know
1: philip so if we don't have that figure and as much as i hate him again i i'm glad he's he exists because yeah. i hate him it, if we don't have well, him
0: it's you gotta have that he's like the bad guy within the 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 good guys you know he's any he, and he doesn't even know he's a bad guy he's that he's that it's easy to do like with like pro wrestling writing he's that heel that bad guy that that doesn't even realize it and says these things like trying to ingratiate himself to the crowd and the crowd boos him and then he doesn't know why they're booing him. And he's like, wait, what's going on? Exactly. <laughs> the The thing also I like about the end of this series is you get a, another perspective of the Order 66. And it, it's really cool how you see Ahsoka, even though she's not a Jedi, and they kind of mentioned that because I had a question. I was like, wait, she's not a Jedi. Why are they going after her? But... She kind of is a Jedi. So, you know, as she's like trying to wrap up things and she even senses like Anakin, The you hear the like, what have I done? After he kills Mace Windu and you hear the like execute order 66, you know, she's sensing all this as it happens. And then you see that turn of uh, the uh, this, the clone trooper. You know turning his gun to her and then the others but she somehow escapes it you know by the skin of her teeth she gets out of it patrick
1: well she wasn't the only jedi or jedi like um yeah let's let's say wanted. light side user mm-hmm. force user that escaped order 66 you know and you see it thrown into you know jedi fall in order the the video game you see it through certain uh, other actual you know canonical things in the star wars universe uh, but and I think it'd be very just asinine to assume that all the Jedi were completely wiped out. Yeah, most were, but some did escape, of course. Um, I did think that it took very careful writing as to why Anakin was still allowed to be walking around. You know, I, I think that there's probably more to that chip. And, and how it plays into things than maybe previously was disclosed. And I think that Palpatine purely is pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, but if I, he knew
0: that, he would have, you know, whatever programming went into that, he would have probably left out Anakin because he's probably confident enough that he could turn him. So.
1: Well, but then again, <laughs> or, Philip, they... Or
0: if he couldn't, he would have taken care of it himself.
1: Well, but then again, Philip, I, I think that... It, there had to be some sort of it, and I'm 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 probably grasping at straws here, honestly. But <laughs> yeah. I think that you know, if you look at the timeline, these clones were being developed well before Anakin was in Palpatine's life.
0: Yeah, yeah. and
1: so That's like true. to to hmm, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have a mystery. I'm gonna have a mystery. Thing. <laughs> I think Palpatine had it programmed so that like he would be able to pick and choose a little bit. Um, I think that it was very telling too, Philip, in this scene where. Rex and Ahsoka were always tight because, you know, he was Anakin's clone, his his buddy, his co-conspirator in the Clone Wars here. And so, you know, he and Ahsoka were very tight, which, of course, is why he's with her now. And you see that, you know, he's struggling. And so it shows, too, that these are human beings that are fighting against these orders and stuff. When he says, "Tell," you know, he tells Ahsoka after she, like, subdues him and all that stuff find fives 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 that was the episode i was talking about where like fives was a clone who basically discovered the truth because his chip and and Mm -hmm. you know he he basically discovered the truth and so you know rex as a clone fighting as much as he could i mean it's it's that kind of yes you're a human yes you're valued and and you have your own thoughts and feelings and personality but you're still basically a machine with this ship that's forcing you to do something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's a great ending and the final scene of this is really cool. It's like Vader, you know, the full turn and it's like this, uh, snow covered earth. So it looks like Hoth, right. And they have those little Hoth, you know, and, uh, seeker droid, right. That's, that's floating around. And then you see Vader who finds one of Ahsoka's lightsabers that she had dropped. And he kind of grabs it, keeps it. And then it just, that's the end of the, the the series. And it's just this awesome way to end it that, like, I mean, it's just a, another part of the tragedy of, of this relationship just kind of falling apart. And him just seeing the remnants of it. And he he himself is, like, literally a shell of the person he once was, you know?
1: Well, and we don't know exactly how much time has passed.
0: Yeah, yeah when yeah. we see Darth Vader,
1: obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's after his fight with Obi Wan, and it's significant time as enough has passed because you know it is snow covered. And Philip, again, this whole this whole ending it was so gut wrenching to me for for several reasons. You know, like the fact that she still defended herself without killing clones and yet all the clones still died except rex and the, the the fact that like she still made sure that they had a burial this the fact that like you just tried to kill me but i'm i i understand enough about what's going on that like i'm gonna re- like that's as a character that's just like oh captain my captain you know like that's some great stuff there and like she has see, the
0: honor that you would expect from a Jedi, and she was well, kicked no, out of not being one. Well, no, not from a Jedi, from Ahsoka. Uh, like, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying.
1: But you see, like from from her first introduction to the Star Wars universe to that moment, it was just the growth. It was just so heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time. Her just like leaving the lightsaber on the ground because she had to fake her own death. I mean, like obviously, otherwise well otherwise you have to watch star wars rebels to uh see the rest of the story but but see invader in the the art you know we've talked about the artwork of the clone wars see invader in that art style god it gave me chills there's another scene philip another arc in one of the the seasons that uh the basically um deals with the actual force itself which is a a very much religious type of arc, you know, but you've got the father, you have the son and you have the daughter. The son represents the dark side of the force. The daughter represents the light side of the force. And the father basically get, keeps them in check. Um Without going into all this and all that, the daughter dies because she gives her life force to Ahsoka. And so the daughter was always represented by this convoy, this animal, flying animal vader looks up in the scene and unless you knew all that stuff like i it made the scene even more powerful to me because knowing that arc knowing that you look up or vader looks up and sees the convoy flying and she was like the representation of ahsoka and so like that that was such a symbolic throwback to that previous arc i mean i can't I can't help but wonder, Philip, because, you know, this is Darth Vader. And you and I have discussed before that we did not see the original trilogy in the theater because we, we were too young. We weren't born. Well, we were born for the last one, I think. But, like, we were one years old. You know, like, like yeah. I This is the ultimate baddie. And so, because we didn't have that connection of watching it, I think that we gave more leeway to the prequels. I don't want to... I'm not quite prepared to say... The sequels yet. But I, I will stand by that. I think that we had more leeway we could give to the prequels. This ultimate bad guy, I can't help but wonder what's going through his mind. Padme and Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, and I hate to say it, but also Palpatine, were the four people closest to him. Of all of them, I think that he had that... the most. I mean, he was the mentor. I mean, this was his Padawan. They had been through everything together and he felt such a personal responsibility to her. He didn't feel that he felt a connection with the rest, but he didn't feel that personal responsibility to anybody else. I can't help but wonder what's going through his mind at the time because, you know, he, he wasn't fully, you know, there was still good in him till then. And so like, I, I can't help but wonder what's going through his mind in this and we don't again we don't know when the scene itself has taken place comparatively but maybe and i don't want to say it but i think that i kind of feel it maybe this was the moment where he completely shut down from all humanity like maybe that was the moment that he's turned into this machine because he lost the thing that he was most responsible
0: for he loved and he lost and he lost some more and and lost some limbs in the process which we'll talk about in the next episode so stay tuned we got a very special guest patrick is home we're almost there this is our first mini-series and i think you know we've we've really done probably the best job anyone's ever done discussing these movies <laughs> i'll say you're you're, you're projecting some anakin eric uh, yes i'm trying <laughs> to see how many people listen to the end of these episodes patrick but if you're still with us, we hope that you'll um, stick with us in the future as well. You know, as as we said, check out the next episode. But in the meantime, you can uh, talk to us on Twitter at scboyspod, Instagram at Stokes County Boys. You can email us, give us your thoughts on the Clone Wars, the prequels, whatever it may be. Stokes County Boys at gmail.com. We've got the Spotify playlist, all the music that we cover or featured on the show. You'll find it there. You can listen to it again and again and again. Like I said, if you have the desire and the means, anchor.fm slash scboy slash support, direct support, or as DIY as it gets for as little as 99 cents a month. You can be like Jason. You can be like Robin or patron Saint Andrew Valls. Help us keep the show going. And as always, we got to shout out the gorgeous George. Check him out on Instagram who did the cover art for us. Patrick, it was fun. Thank you for introducing this to me and giving me some focus. I felt overwhelmed trying to tackle a 7 season, you know, however many episode <laughs> series, but you know, given it focus like this, I was I was glad to be able to dive into it and uh, I, I enjoyed it, especially that that last arc. It's a great it's a great series.
1: Fantastic series. They did a great job with it.
0: All right, man. See ya. Right. Bye, Mike. Stop a hero, A hero of the time. Of the time. Da plague, I play it. That plague, plague, it.